and welcome to A Nightmare on Fear Street, a monstrous podcast about all things horror. If you like what you hear today, then you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you can also rate and review us on Apple iTunes. And today we're talking about Lovecraft Country, Episode 3, Holy Ghost, with our special guest, Peter Ruiz. Peter, tell us something about yourself. Introduce yourself. Oh. And where can hey they my you? name is Peter. I use they them pronouns. I decide my I describe myself as a queer, quirky, multiracial, multi-ethnic mess. I am currently a third year grad student at IU with a love for horror that started by being terrified of Blade when I was a child. Would you like to plug any projects or social media that people can follow you on? Uh, you can follow me at Peter underscore J underscore Ruiz, R-U-I-Z, and Insta. Yeah, and super special shout out to Peter because we were talking about your first appearance being in like two weeks. And then like um, some scheduling happened and you were like, I'm caught up on everything and I'm ready to jump in. (laughs) So super special shout out for just being like prepared and into the same weird stuff we're into, including this podcast. Look. (laughs) Um, and with that, let us get into our general thoughts on Lovecraft Country at this point. Ooh, that's a lot. Every episode is its own movie. Like, it, it could be in theaters. Like, I just feel overwhelmed every time. <laughs> it, truly, though, especially because, like, I feel like even in tonality, like, this this episode feels very different from the first two. Mm-hmm. And it feels like what they're leading us to in the next episode in the preview also feels like that'll be very different from what those what those two segments of the show were. It's really it's really interesting in that way. Like I feel like I'm dealing with the same players, but in very but in very different tonalities. Agreed. Um, I. I keep meaning to track who writes what episode because sometimes that helps me figure out how to brace myself if I know the writers work from other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I also just want to go ahead and say, because we talked about it a lot, the costume designer is Dana Pink. We give so many nods to the costumes, especially Letty's, and we just need to like get used to saying Dana Pink's name. Yes. She is doing the work. Also, let's not forget that she always has Ruby looking good. Yes. Don't she though? Yes. Don't. Because they're always like, we can't dress full-size women, so they put us in these sheets and send us on our way. And Dana's like, no, no. She got a waist. She got a figure. Let's do this. They're also putting her in great jewel tones, which is great for her skin tone. Like, I'm just like, you are really doing it for her. Yes. It, well, it, she definitely knows skin tone. So, <laughs> spoiler alert, or now I don't, I don't know what to say. But um, I've been like binging Project Runway when I'm not working on this show. So I've been hearing a lot of like fashion advice, and every time I watch this, I'm like, oh, those jewel tones are gorgeous. Um, and so yeah, she definitely knows how to work with different skin tones and how to give different energy to each character. Cause I mean, we have notes later on about like how the white people in this show always look like they're some kind of messed up. <laughs> it's like they've been through it. They look very sickly. They look very sickly. <laughs> yes. And then like the people, the BIPOC people are like gorgeous all the way around. Men, women, everybody. Everybody. Exactly. All right, are we ready to get down into the nitty gritty? Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's do this. So we open the episode at church. Oh. I assume we're at George's funeral. Was that I, don't, that? I don't think so. I didn't see a coffin. I think that it was just a random service, which is why I was uncomfortable. Yeah, also, was, was, there was definitely like a woman who was like feeling the Holy Ghost. Yeah. I, yeah, I thought that was weird for a funeral too. I didn't know. But also Letty was there and she was real upset. I feel like Ruby drug her there, but I, we don't get that backstory because, like, she was there and she was upset, but also she just saw Uncle George die. So yeah. perhaps she was like, I need a moment in a church. I need to think about how I just died as well. Yeah, there's also, and, I, and I've sort of brought this up uh, to talk about later, but I think this was the moment where I really realized how much the show is highlighting Letty's light-skinnedness if I can say it that way yeah because like in this particular scene it became really obvious to me that 
even even in this giant group shot, she is the lightest person that they have on screen. And like it's very it feels very purposeful because even in every group scene, every scene, she is the lightest black person we see. I noticed that when I saw your note because I was like, oh my God, we do get to talk about colorism with this series. Thank you. Well, it makes me it makes me feel like maybe maybe the writers are try are, are trying something, whether it's talking about like, yo, even light skin folk experience this level of racism, or we're gonna address it later in some supernatural shit. Yeah. No, because it's definitely it's definitely a moment when you realize you're the lightest person in your family and it's been giving you privileges and experiences that you weren't aware of. I've had that moment a couple times because I didn't know what the word was for it because nobody talked about it where I was from in Missouri. And so I was like, I don't understand. It's like so-and-so's racist, but I get to hang out. I don't understand. And now and all these years later, I'm like, it's called colorism and so-and-so is racist and specifically anti-Black. We'll get to this later more so, but I want to mention it now. Um, later on in the episode, and even in the first episode as well, you definitely see the tension between Letty and Ruby. And Ruby being more dark-skinned, Letty being more light-skinned is an interesting dichotomy there. Um, and I wonder how much that colorism plays into that relationship. Because, like, now that it's out there, it makes me look at their first interaction in the first episode differently. Because Lady's like, I'm going to the north side. And Ruby's like, that's where the white people are. We stay on the south side. And so I'm also wondering just how much of the light skin privilege that Letty's packing with her when she makes these decisions and says these things and has these fights. Yeah, it's wild. It shapes the, it shapes the narrative so much. Even like her like activism mm-hmm. is, is like, is it, is it her feeling a need to prove something? Mm-hmm. Is it, is it her actually understanding that she has that she has some privileges as a lighter skinned black person and using them in order to stir up that good trouble? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause she a badass. She is a badass. Yeah. Make no mistake. And she takes no shit. <laughs> she, I mean, she does until a point, and then we'll and then we see what happens. I want to mention just performance in this scene in the church. Her the power in Letty's stillness is so magical to watch and you just see all the little intricate details that she does in her face it's beautiful beautifully acted in that moment and the narration is beautiful as well it all works for me this episode specifically focused on chicago's racism in 1955 mm-hmm. which is smart because each year might need its own miniseries when we're talking about racism in chicago so i appreciate that they narrowed it down and actually gave us a time too because that's one of the things we don't really know is when are we because of the way they handle things and the way they use music. So it's like 1955, at least for this episode. Then we go from there to Letty and Ruby walking down the street. And we, I think it's really interesting, the cinematography here, that we see them through the window. We first see them through the window of a white woman watching them. Mm-hmm. And I think it really, for, it really uh, foreshadows what we're going to see as they move into this new house. And Lenny has bought this new house. I have a question about why she bought an obviously haunted house. Like, <laughs> choices, girl. <laughs> this house, I don't want to be a like, person of color. <laughs> <laughs> broke the one rule. We know when shit is haunted. Right? We know. <laughs> we don't go in there. Right. That's why they kill us off early in horror films, not written by brown and by black and brown folks, because they know that we know. <laughs> But yes, so they bought this clearly haunted house, which I, it, choices. Yeah, at this point, we don't really know where she got the money. Yeah, because when we met her, she was all like, I need to stay with you for a few weeks, Ruby. And now she's like, I got us a house and we're going to like rent out rooms. And I'm just like, how much time has passed since we left the weird mansion? We <laughs> collapsed and killed Uncle George. How much time has passed? We find out later it's three weeks. So it's not enough time to get this kind of money. Right. Well, let's also be real. This house probably wasn't that expensive. <laughs> I mean, North Side Chicago haunted. Like all the hipsters want that. <laughs> all the but like if we were if we were looking at that house today, we would we would have looked at that and said that is a trap house. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, then when she goes in, she's giving Ruby the tour of the home, and she th- she says, "Oh, it's got this really cool elevator." 
and the elevator tries to kill her. And I said, that is time to move. Time six to sell minutes, it. Six minutes into the episode, elevator tried to kill us. And yet we have a whole episode in this house. And I was I like, Letty. Letty, like not as smart as the Letty we have met previously. No. <laughs> Letty does some hashtag white people stuff in this movie, on this she episode. Did. <laughs> she did. But also, she just got, she just was brought back from the dead. So maybe she's still a little confused and discombobulated. She's a little shook. A little. Then we cut to... Alita <laughs> and her... Yes. With the copy of Dracula, which we know is Uncle George's favorite book. Mm. And she's ripping it. And she's, she's upset. Like, Tiki's still in her house, and they're very awkward. Um, mm. So whatever they told her about George's death, she's not buying, and she's upset about something. But we... We don't get into it yet because we have a whole hour to fill. Also, props to that actress because, like, she takes me there with her grief. Like, she is literally just staring at herself in this mirror, ripping this book. And it is so collected and calm. But, like, the rage underneath it all, because it doesn't feel like straight-up sadness. This feels like rage that has been tempered. It was honestly kind of shocking when I was watching it, and she starts to rub the page, and then all of a sudden it's like rip, and I was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> it was kind of like those jump scares almost. Like <laughs> I was like, "She angry," and I don't know who about to get hurt. Um, so I was kind of like worried for Tick this whole episode. So um, we have the the breakfast with Tick and uh, Hippolyta and their daughter, or not their daughter, Hippolyta. <laughs> With George, that's weird. Yeah. Uh, um, and the and, daughter's name is Diana, which I don't think I ever caught until I saw Peter's note. Because you were like Wonder Woman reference, because Diana. Oh yeah, Diana and Hippolyta, but I didn't realize that till later in the episode because the first time I think we hear Diana is when Hippolyta is calling for her in the house. Yeah, because I, I, I think they call her, she has a nickname or something, like Di or something. It's D, always. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so I was like, is this a Wonder Woman reference? I feel like it's gotta be. <laughs> so I think she's gonna take that rage and she's gonna do some stuff. Well, and she so she like makes comic books for her for the her parent about her parents essentially. Yeah, and Hippolyta is is uh Diana's mother, aka Wonder Woman. And right. so it's just like, is that a Wonder Woman reference? Because that'd be hot if it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's gotta it can't be a like why would that be a coincidence? Like right. We're gonna have to have, if that's a coincidence, we're going to have to have a talk. <laughs> <laughs> we see Montrose again, who's still doing the least. Uh, <laughs> at this point in time, he is still doing the absolute least. I, I don't like this character yet. This actor's magnificent, but this character, I would have gladly had over George, like literally. <laughs> like drunk all the time, drunk and a mess. Like... I've been very it's drunk in my like life. Not even a cute just a mess. I, right. I have it's been very so drunk in my life. Sheree has seen me very drunk. But I don't believe I've ever passed out like that on the, well, maybe a couple of times. I'm going to shut up now. Not in the morning. Not that in is, the morning, no. Not is after five pass out. <laughs> you have to ration. Um. <laughs> he took it five o'clock somewhere and made it a lifestyle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's like, it's always five o'clock if you drink right. <laughs> and that's what he do. I'm just like, good sir, do you have a job? How are you paying for this place you're staying in? What are your I'm goals? Convinced. I'm convinced all the clocks are broken, so he never knows what time it is. So it's always time to get drunk. <laughs> Where does he get the money for this alcohol? Does he have a job? Right? I'm right? concerned. He's been away for so long, he can't have a job. He can't have I'm money saved up. I'm wondering if it has something to do with uh, this family legacy. Ooh. Like, is there is there a stash of money somewhere that Tick has not been given access to? Because that seems like some fuck shit Montrose would do. But also, they're not spending that money on wigs, so it's going somewhere. Um, I also have a question. Like, I, I'm wondering if in the future, so they, they tell that story about how George and Montrose were in the middle of a riot in... Uh, Chicago, I don't, somewhere. This stranger comes up and like with a baseball bat and knocks these white boys out. And I'm, I have a feel. I'm, I'm wondering if that's foreshadowing something that's going to be coming in the future, because it seemed like a really important thing that they were talking about. 
I don't know. Maybe it won't be. Maybe hmm. we'll get it. I'm like now like when was this riot? Hmm. Right. Was this uh the Fencewood the, the Fernwood Park race riot of nineteen forty seven? That would track. Because it would be eight years before this current episode. Yeah, I'm I, I'm wondering if like are these white people just all out here for some reason just saving saving these this black family or this black relationship because of because of this legacy do they need like what what specifically do they need tick for so badly that they keep saving him and his family members that's good i hadn't i hadn't even connected those two dots that it could have been the racist cult people yeah they definitely let montrose live instead of uncle george so like i'm still bitter let me go back to the house and they got it looking real good and then, uh, oh, we missed that Letty asks, or not Letty, Tick asks Montrose if he can stay there for a few days. And at first, Montrose doesn't say anything, but then they're having, like, conversations. And Montrose is like, let's just not do anything. And Tick's like, um, Uncle George would not want that to happen. And he, they, like, almost get in a fight. And Tick leaves. And then he goes to Letty, and they're talking. And we find out Uncle George has been dead for three weeks there. Yes. So he's really not coming back in theory, and I'm really mad again. You never know. He could still be coming back. We all, like... I think he's going to be a ghost at some point. Everybody else is. Why can't Courtney B. Vance be a ghost? <laughs> you don't pay Courtney B. Vance money and not, and use him for only two episodes. Let's be real. Right? Right? He has at least three more episodes for that price tag. At least three. But first thing first, Letty's asking Tick to stay there with her. And he's just not picking up on these hints because he's tick. So like he's running around with his bag. His dad let him stay there. And she's like, you could stay here. And he's all <laughs> like, I'm not paying attention. Um, and my own thoughts brooding. <laughs> how is he so dumb? Just how is he so dumb? Like this is obvious. Like right. she wants you there. She wants you to be together. Like what is so important? Is it is this another lady that you left behind that keeps you on your that is on your mind? Is it a handler of some sort that is on your mind? Going back to that phone call, the first episode, I don't know, but like she is right in front of you, literally. She, she was obvious. She did everything but say my room is the second one on the right, and he was like, I can't acknowledge that you want me to stay, and it might be for anything fun, <laughs> until. Until the racists make themselves known and they all go outside to the porch. And then he's like, maybe I should stay. I'm like, you gonna stay for the racist, but not for this girl who's obviously into you? I mean, pick your battles, but like, <laughs> He just wants to bust some heads, it's fine. <laughs> I think it's a savior complex. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because he, because he lost her last time and couldn't, and couldn't save her. He has a complex about it, and he's just like, I'm gonna be there the next time. So these uh, dumbass white people, ha- white men specifically in this moment, have parked their cars on the street outside of this home and ta- or like tied bricks to the horns. So the horns are just constantly going off day and night. Here's my question. Did all the other white people around this person, around this house, be like, okay, I'll deal with this too for forever and always? Like, I, I don't get it. Yeah, I think, I think the, the use of bricks specifically is like super important. I think we, I think like somewhere out there, someone needs to write the racist history of bricks because yeah. like as a tool of oppression, like we can mark them. So we can mark them like, we've got them used here we've got them used we've, we've had them used to bust windows uh, to bust windows and to open and to open areas in order to toss in bombs at some points in our history and today we got we got like cops leaving bricks out to try and incite violence with black lives matter protesters like i don't know who decided that the brick was the tool of the racist but it is <laughs> well the races aren't very creative so i guess it makes sense that they're just going to pick something up and use it no. Maybe because they're dumb as bricks. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they're dumb as bricks, and as you wrote, they look sickly. Um, <laughs> they do. Like 
that that costume makeup team is like doing something because except for like the cultish white people like all of their skin looks sallow it looks like like it looks like they have bags underneath their eyes like these white people are looking rough like I'm, really rough <laughs> i'm wondering if it's because racism is a sickness and we're doing that as opposed to just like balancing the scales after years of giving black people shitty wigs and like no light makeup and being like go act your heart out on boy meets world then Look it's the next morning right yeah ladies in her bed minding her own sleepy business and her blankets keep getting snatched off and she's just like back on back on till it's finally snatched almost across the room and we see this dead woman who letty don't see because she's rubbing sleep out of her eyes <laughs> why 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 do ghosts always try to be taking people's colors off their bed like i don't like that's just rude she was cold. Leave her be. She gonna be cold forever. But like, Lady could be warm. <laughs> being selfish. I'm she pretty sure this is the same ghost who got her titties cut off. So give her something. It's not like she's using it. It falls to the ground. Right? No. But like, she just like squatting next to Lady's bed, playing with the blankets. And I'm just like, I don't like this. <laughs> I don't like this at all. Right, so then Letty figures out she's real. It's real hot. What's going on? And then she sees that the boiler downstairs is about to explode, uh, <laughs> much like The Shining and everything else I've been doing right now. Keep having circles and themes, and we need to stop. <laughs> I'm convinced that that was the white folks and not the ghost. Oh yeah, I'm a hundred percent sure that was those white boys. Well, they so was Letty. Yeah, and they talk about that in a minute because she goes down there. And a little knob is off of the little like valve that you got to turn. I don't know how to fix boilers, so I would be fucked in that moment. Don't let me overlook. And so, but she knows because she's fierce, and she fixes it. And then there's a loud bang, and this is her like I am doing some white people things, and she's like I'm gonna go investigate this bang, and I'm like What are you doing? Why? Why are you doing this? I'm convinced she is half white. It does say that she is Ruby's half sister. I'm convinced there's a white man somewhere because that's the only reason she's making these choices. <laughs> oh, what if she's also in that family? What if they somehow related? What if Fitz was getting around? Wouldn't be shocked, you know? Wouldn't be the first time a white man just was a rolling stone spreading his seed everywhere. Right. <laughs> Yeah, all that. Ha- oh, and then whose stuff is all like? I would have been like, why is all this fucking shit in my basement? Get out. Questions. <laughs> we didn't ask enough questions in this whole episode. <laughs> no investigations at all. Like, at least not not the things she needs to be investigating. No. Not yet. She gets there though. She would be a bad researcher up top. Later on, she gets her crown in that as well. But right now, I'm just like, lady, I need you to pick up a book. Right. Call a friend. Or something. She finds this like latched door in the basement that's like vibrating, and she's still like, "What is this?" Until it like wham, and she hears voices, and then she screams, and she goes to get Tick, and they go down there, and it's like this weird room at the bottom of the basement, and I question why you need an extra like a, a an extra an uh, extra basement. Like, why do you need a basement and a basement? It's redundant. Question. It's like unless, it's a key of basements. Nobody needs that. I mean, unless you're trying to do shady shit, which I mean, it, they definitely try to do shady shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which we find out, you know. And oh, but uh, and I missed this earlier. Um, he talks about um, about the the boiler and everything, heat and noise. He said it's the same tactics we used in Korea. And they give each other this weird, like, look of, like, she's kind of like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he's, like, ashamed of what he did in Korea. So that's going to come back. We haven't figured out all this Korea business. I mean, as, as he should be, when we, look at, when we look at historically at what happened in Korea, it was one of, it was one of our many unjust wars. And like you had you, you had a lot of you had a lot of black folks signing up for that war, sort of engaging and perpetuating white supremacy abroad for the hopes of getting a piece of that pie and getting some sense of privilege. And so I think like it's interesting that he recognizes those tactics because those 
those men out there who are leaving those bricks on who are leaving those bricks on them car horns might have also gone to Korea. Like And he says he wonders if if they're veterans. Mm-hmm. Yep. So then we go to the party. This party was lit. I want to go to this party. The moment that I really like when television shows put Easter eggs of like actual historical things and they talk about Martin Luther King Jr. And as she overhears them in the party. And mm-hmm. I just think it's really interesting because A, I didn't know some of this history about him if it's true. Like well, I didn't the white know, woman is true, yeah. The white woman is true? Yeah, that uh let me let me pull up her name. Cause I, cause I looked it up too because I was like, what? It's like uh Betty Moitz. And this is like, I thought you were about to say Becky and I was if you had yeah, said Becky, like, I would have just ended the podcast right there. What? <laughs> like, do we like do we know it was true? I don't know because like her story has only like come out recently. But like this, this white woman was talking about like when he was when he was there when he was in seminary, they fell in love. But yeah, and they, they say that they forced him. Who they are, I don't know. But they forced him to marry a black woman. Mm. I and, mean, he did cheat on Coretta a lot, a lot, a lot. And then Letty, well, this kind of goes back to your theory that Letty may have a white father because she says, what is the, what is the exact line? I'm going to paraphrase it. But she says something like, have, just because he has a white, uh, marries a white woman doesn't mean he can't fight for equality or something like that. That's awfully paraphrased, but it's general what she said. So that kind of, maybe she does have a white dad. I can see that. I could see that, especially after some of her choices towards the top of this episode. <laughs> but while we're talking about Easter eggs, I, I sent y'all the article where one of the kids playing with the Ouija board might have been Emmett Teal. And I'm just like, that's another nugget in there of history. Love it. Um, and like they gave him like the shirt and the tie and he did ask the board if he was gonna have fun on his trip and it said no. Both yeah, that is definitely not a mistake. Like, I feel like these writers are too smart, especially because they gave they gave the kid the same nickname as Emmett. Mm-hmm. Like, this is this is very yeah. purposeful, uh, because like they're juxtaposing like the horror of racism with actual horror, and it's just like when you put these two against each other, what is the scariest thing? So uh, yes, now we oh then we go that nice little joyous scene between. Letty and Hippolyta in the kitchen when Hippolyta's bringing in that gorgeous food. Um, and then she says, have you seen Diana? That's when she says, no. That when she says Diana or she say D? She asked if you've seen D. She didn't say Diana until she's screaming for her. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. of the, yes, okay. Um, and then we go to them, why these little children are bringing Ouija boards into a haunted house I don't understand. I want to know who brought the Ouija board because like in my day, we weren't allowed to have that shit. So I want to know whose parent was like, I'm busy, grab a toy from this drugstore, we're going to a party and not checking in the bag. They've got like all of their black community sitting up in that house. They don't think it's haunted. They're going to be like, okay, we're not going to contact anything. They're like, I trust the adults that they didn't bring me to no haunted house. Right? (laughs) Right? Couldn't have. <laughs> Lesson learned: Do not trust adults. <laughs> Clearly, I'll go back to Letty. Letty let all these folks into this haunted house. She did. She did. Don't follow her no more. <laughs> like she needed more time off after dying. Apparently, three weeks was not enough. Right. Letty needs a little break before she's allowed to lead again. She will get there again. She but for will. right now, we, we need to we need someone to be looking after her, asking, are you sure this is the right decision? <laughs> so, and also when they first start doing it and the lights start to flicker, that's when I'm out. I'm not a super superstitious person, but I don't play with those. I've heard too many things from my superstitious family. <laughs> those were those were taboo. You don't do that. So and then they start asking, so then um I think the Emmett character first asks, well, am I going to have fun on my trip? And it says no. And then the next kid asks, who are we talking to? And it spells out George. That's why I think George is still around as a spirit. Mm-hmm. And I think he will reappear at times when he needs to be there. But then he starts saying all these other things and the, and the camera keeps like cutting away from it. And I'm like, what is he saying? I want to know. Cardi's getting no respect. Like, <laughs> he's getting none. 
they're like, we'll kill you. And we won't even let you like finish spelling things out as a ghost in the scene book. Yeah, it makes me wonder, like, I think like, because because they they specifically give us that moment of the no, but don't, and then give us the moment of George, are they like, because George is such a protective figure, are they like hinting at like, maybe like George tried to warn Emmett, are they trying to give us like, a li- uh, like a sort of link there like this is definitely george because george would have done that because yeah because the next thing we see after oh. the kids are playing um is her like getting it on the dance floor and now tick is like am i jealous and it's like you could have been that person she dancing on but you didn't want to listen to her and then this man appears out of nowhere and it's like i used to tussle with her if you know what i mean would it be okay if i tried again tonight and tick's like what you mean and he's like, if that's yours, you might want to tell her while she's like getting it. And I'm like, first off, she's not property. <laughs> also, even if y'all did use a tussle, ooh. <laughs> that is not consent for future tussles. Right. It does, it does not, no. And um, um, he also, does, so Tick comes in wearing his military uniform. A choice. And the same guy says, so you wanted to dress up like a military, so all these white people would see a military person come in here. So then, that was definitely a threat. Mm-hmm. That, that, that outfit choice was a threat. Yes. <laughs> so then Letty gets tired. She needs to go wipe her face down. And she goes to the bathroom. Does she not see the ghost? Like, she was drying her eyes. Because she, even with her full face makeup, she washed her face in this bathroom because she was so tired. And so the ghost appeared without the makeup. And then she like used her towel, but was still really gorgeous when she turned around and Tick was there. They have magical um, waterproof makeup in the 50s. They did. (laughs) (laughs) So That sex scene just not good. No. It was bad. I said, that's one way to get it on. (laughs) She said that you need to tell her if if she's yours, which I don't like anyway, but you need to tell her. Not you need to go in there and just like wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, bye. Like... And like, it was short, she didn't look like she had any fun. Like, it felt like it was directed by a man. It had to be. Right. It felt very directed by a man. It was just like, um, okay, let's do this on this bathroom. And it's like, there was no, I just, I've waited. Granted, this is only the third episode, but because of the pandemic, it feels like we've been watching this for three years. So I've waited three years in pandemic time for this sex scene. And that's how they gave us. Afterwards, she finds out that she's bleeding, which at first- she finds out she's bleeding. Yes. <laughs> and which at is first, why she's like, sorry. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> And at first I was like, that's a weird choice to make. But then more answers come later on. Um, yeah, she blames that monthly and she looks distraught over the state of things and the sad quick sex scene she just had. I mean, it was, look, can, it felt kind but then of then doesn't she reveal that she was a virgin like yes. this was her first time and i'm just like that wasn't that yeah. wasn't a first time it feels kind of rapey it it felt very uncomfortable it, it yeah. felt very uncomfortable it was directed by a man by the way this episode oh ain't it always funny how we can tell <laughs> And it's like, I know HBO has an intimacy director and an intimacy choreographer. Were they not there that day? Was it their time off? Was it a vacation? Because that looks uncomfortable. Why on the bathroom sink? Who? I don't care who you are. People need to stop pretending on these TV shows, in movies, that sex on a bathroom sink is going to be comfortable. So, okay. So then that awkward scene happens. And then we go, then he leaves and she's very clearly upset. Mm-hmm. Um, cut and, her being upset at the party <laughs> and Ruby saying I wrote this quote down because like they were like well, you know you're getting hired to the Marshall Fields because you're black like I know and then she says quote <clears throat> if more colored folks thought like me the race would be a lot further along because she just had to say she's going to work harder if she does get in and she'll be the hardest worker they have and I was like, honey, you don't have to, you shouldn't have to work nine times harder till you kill yourself in a Marshall's Fields. Um, also, like, don't play that I'm a credit to my race card that way. I, that was uncomfortable. Yeah. It was colored folks thought like me. Yeah, like this whole sequence, I think from the sex scene, even before the sex scene, I think from the dancing, from take watching, from that dude 
saying like we used to tussle i'd like a piece of that that sort of bit and then like ruby saying this feels out of place in what they've given us so far in this world i kind of feel like it's a way that they were using to like ramp up ramp up the tension because we're really getting close to the climax then ruby notices um something's glowing outside in the front yard wonder what it could be she opens the window or not the window she opens the blinds and it is a burning cross my heart dropped and that's when we scream for diana because it's like where is my child in this racist neighborhood with the cross burning right so then we then we hear diana for the first time and then we wonder wonder woman maybe hopefully if not then we need to have a stop um and then Letty's had it. <laughs> she has had it. Straight up. She said, give me that baseball bat. I'm about 50 years before, or how, that's not true. 70 years before Beyonce ever did this, but we go, it's going down tonight. <laughs> yeah, I really she straight like, up lemonaded those cars. <laughs> that was my favorite phrase in the notes today. Like, it just brought me so much life and joy. I read it a few times. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the thing I was was, like, I saw her. I saw her grab that baseball bat and go out to them cars, and immediately I jumped to uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt after the breakup. And he looks at he looks at Kimmy. Uh, Titus says and says, "Quiet, Kimmy. I'm going lemonading." And <laughs> 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 I was like, Letty's, Letty's about to go lemonading." I wouldn't have been surprised if they played that underneath. They should have. It was a missed it opportunity. They played everything. Beyonce probably was like, you can't afford me and Courtney B. Vance. Make a choice. Fair point. <laughs> and they were like, he's already signed his contract. She's like, well, <laughs> So, and then following her outside is uh, Tick and then three other guys. I don't think we know. Guns, yeah. And they all have guns. And I think this is really smart, too, because R- Ruby knows shit's about to go down because Letty's going to mm-hmm. bust up all these cars. Tick and them are there to protect Letty. But Ruby knows the cops are going to be coming. Mm-hmm. Um, I also love the moment at the end after she's beaten all these cars and knocked the bricks off the horns. She just throws the baseball bat at the white people across the street. <laughs> and I was like, And they look shook. Jay was like, You fucked with ready. the wrong one. They were <laughs> so, and then as before the cops get there, though, Ruby lets the four black men put their guns into her trunk and she peels out. And yep. I was like, that's really fucking smart of her to be like that for, like, which I, I'm, as Black people, you have to do that, though, so. This wasn't the first time. No. This was not the first time they had to fuck up some folks. So then Letty gets arrested. And uh, what? Yeah, we if we could release from this show, I would have a lot less stress. Because, <laughs> like, whenever I know the police are coming, I'm like, oh, God, no, no, not here. This was supposed to be a fun horror show. And it just stresses me out. Right. At least every, there's not, they don't play the motif of, like, the good cop. Every cop is terrible. <laughs> so Letty is in the car with the cop because she's the only one that gets arrested. Um, and he starts asking her why, like, how she bought the house. Where did she get the money? And she's not answering him. And then, well, of course, he first says, who do you work for? And he says some really racist stuff that I won't repeat. And then he starts asking her, where do you get the money? And then he kind of starts talking about the Winthrop house as if it's, like, really special to him. The car starts swerving, sending Letty flying across this metal cop car as he's asking her repeatedly, like, torture, essentially. Then she did her little, like, she's turned that dungeon thing into a dark room. And she notices that these pictures she has have marks on them. That somehow she knows the the angle and the design and everything to get this to make the face. Yeah, that face moment was, was really interesting. It was. And then he starts coming up out of the pictures. And I was getting some real, real A Nightmare on Elm Street 1 uh, vibes. Yeah. Freddie comes out of the bed and he's like got the blanket on him. Yeah. I find it really interesting because later on we find out like this is the same man who killed a bunch of black folks and experimented on them that it is through images of black people that he is summoned. I found that really interesting. Um, and like I don't know what to unpack there, but there's something there. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> That's a second mini series. Like, we might need to give that some episodes. <laughs> and he tells her to get out. So, which I would have, but she doesn't because it's Letty's time to not do the right thing. Um, and then we get this argument between Ruby and Letty uh, because Ru- Dan- uh, Letty is now like full blown detective mode. And she accidentally lets it slip that the money she got to pay for the house came from their mother. Mm. And Ruby Which, is pissed. Because Ruby and the brother have seen no money. Meanwhile, Letty, who don't even have their last name anymore, she changed it and never talked to the mother, never came back to the funeral, inherited the money. And I yeah. was like, that's weird. Especially because she didn't have that inheritance when she landed here needing a place to stay. Yeah, I'm interested in into how that money got here, what what it what it is about. But I'm not sure if I'm into like constantly pitting Letty and Ruby against each other. Mm-hmm. Like I, like it, it doesn't feel cute, especially especially because like I find Ruby to be a really interesting character. I think there's opportunities for her to get to get fully involved, but if we continuously are like pushing her out for the sake of this lighter-skinned sister. There are some issues there. Yes. Yeah, but I do think, just uh, I think, well, and this is also me guessing where this series is going, which I've not gotten right yet, so I don't know why I'm still trying, (laughs) but it does feel like they're using Ruby to push Letty to be better. And because, like, well, and later on, what Ruby tells her in this scene is kind of a wake-up call for Letty because she's she basically says you're selfish. You only think about yourself. And it's true. I mean, I, I don't think well, I don't think it's like completely true, but it is a good it is a good criticism of Letty. It's true. <laughs> it's true. She's thinking about her and Tick and that's it. Yeah, I think in this instance it's it it is though, but like when you think about the fact that she used her money to bail out her friends after protesting and like the fact that she puts her body in line, like there are ways that she's not selfish, but in this instance, she's being very selfish. Mm-hmm. But also sometimes activism has some hidden meanings, like people are doing it for selfish reasons. That's a good and point. I don't know her enough to know if she's one of those or not. That's a good point. Yeah. Like, it, like, I, like I'm, I've thought about it and I'm like, it's because I because I have this in my head that she is half white. Like maybe she's trying to make up for that. Like that's a common that's a common trope with mi- with mixed folks, and it's a common it's a common theme in real life with like half white folks is like this constant need to make up for that whiteness, particularly in service to community to our communities of color. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but yeah, that, that argument is just, it's, it's very rough. Um, but I think Letty needed to hear it. For sure. Then we go to Hippolyta and Montrose <laughs> at the bookstore. And she's on to this lie. She is like, something is not right. Also, wait, we need to go back a little bit because we missed something. At, during the party, before the, the cross, she goes into that room. Now, okay. If you're in a house, in some room, the door starts like slowly creaking open. Don't go in that room. Go downstairs. So she goes in there, and there's this weird like contraption, globe-looking thing, and that's all we know. We don't see her again until she's yelling for Diana. So we don't know what she saw in this room. So I'm really curious what happened in this room. Hmm. Because the ne- and then after that the next scene we see her is when she's calling out Montrose, being like, "Something ain't right." Hmm? Like she's down for a hot minute, like maybe all three weeks since the funeral. Well, it takes not a great liar. <laughs> he's no, going above and beyond to be like, "Don't look at me. Let me help you. I feel so terrible." Like, <laughs> and then and then Tick goes to meet Letty at the restaurant. I'm assuming it's a restaurant. They don't ever eat, but. I thought it was a bar, but that might just be my personality. And she has uh, been a detective and figured out all this stuff. I was proud of her. Like she, cause this is before the internet. So like she had to go, like, go to the library, find all these old ass newspapers, get on the microfilms, collect books. Um, she did some legwork. 
I, I was like, this is the lady that I used to know. I will say <laughs> she, did, she did better detective work than her brother did in the first episode. Mm-hmm. That, <laughs> is, that is real. That is real because <laughs> women do the work. <laughs> right? Right? There's a theme in this I'm seeing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, and she's found out that the previous owner um, was a scientist and he was a professor to college, I think, but he lost his job when they found out he was doing some not so cool things. Um, and the police officer that arrested her would find black people on the South side, kidnap them and bring them to him for experiments. And they found eight bodies of black people under, well, he, which the police officer had already told her that. She now knows who is the big bad ghost that's haunting. Not just the ones taking their covers off, but the one coming out of pictures. I just think it's so interesting how how this how, how this series has connected these very real horrific things that that happened historically to black people into the supernatural. We have the sundown towns being linked to these like vampiric monsters, and then we have the experimentation on black folks being linked being linked now to ghosts and hauntings which is which it's fascinating like that we're that we're just like real life horror and uh, and our imagined horrors are combining then they keep talking and this is when letty tells tig that it was her first time and that's when he's like oh are you okay and I was like, you've been such a fuckboy, Tick. Like, literally, <laughs> you were like, well, that was 15 seconds in the bathroom. I don't need to talk about it again. And now you're like, oh, oh. If I had known, <laughs> I would have lasted at least 30. Yeah. <laughs> I would have given you a whole 35 seconds had I known. Like, <laughs> I maybe, just. I, maybe five seconds of foreplay, you know, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but it also explains like her dream in the last episode before the snake arrived. Because <laughs> she was like painting a picture and like writing us a fairy tale. Um, in my rewatch of that, right before when it's in the same hallucination, so it still could be part of that uh, psychosis. But she looks at the window and there's a stained glass picture of it. And it's Adam and Eve, and Adam's penis is a snake. And she has the line that huh? the Bible is full of demons too. Which is really interesting. I wonder if they're connecting maleness with the snake devil that tempts them. Like, is that is that something they're playing with? Is the is the penis snake like a real thing? Like, is it maleness that tempts people? Is it and tempts them to sin? Is that is is that an underscoring message? Because that could be really fun and interesting. I'm be. I'm here for not blaming women for the fall of man. Oh, <laughs> this, this is a silly line that I thought. So Tig says, I think it's time to move out, and I was like, Letty's like, Nah, it's time to kill a goat. L O L. Oh my God. Rent control. What? <laughs> Nah, let's just kill a goat instead. <laughs> this is a whole this is a whole interesting moment. And like because they're definitely uh, like this is either a Vudun or a Santera that they've brought in to help them. So these folks who are clearly like church going black folks obviously still have obviously still have links and connections to the to the to these magical traditions which are like linking back all the way back to Africa. Because you, when you think about the Vudun or the or Santeria, you're talking about your Ruben spiritual tradition hidden underneath Catholicism. I just had a line that came to me from earlier in this episode. Because Montrose says, when uh, Tick is telling him he wants to tell Hippolyta what happened, he's like, so what are we supposed to say, that white people have magic too? My, my partner picked up on that too. And I, I was like, nah. But now that we, but now that we're thinking about it, I'm just like, yeah. And it's interesting that their magic, that that their magic has to have been found. Mm -hmm. What it feels like through this book, mm -hmm. whatever this, whatever this book that has been found is the is the white folks' links to magic when we have ancestral magic 
for for these black folks. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Did we just blow this whole thing up? <laughs> yeah, Stephen King. These are the magical black folks we're here for. That aren't magical in this. <laughs> no. Take notes, Stephen. We'll invite you to a party. We'll tell you all about it. <laughs> yeah, because she calls on because she calls on Oya that that Santera and Oya is is a particular Orisha, uh, who is uh, the Orisha of the wind, lightning, and violent storms, death and rebirth, and she's a warrior queen. I'm, I could just do a whole podcast on just all this. Uh, so, <laughs> I did have a question. Did they have to kill that goat in the, like, out in the, like, in front, the front yard? Like, everybody yes. can see you. Yes. This is a message to the racist next door. What? <laughs> well, also because the, the blood signifier actually protected them from the ghost. That's why we have the issue later on when the blood washes off. Right. So I that was that. their protection symbol. Uh, I've had that hap- I've I've had that protection symbol put on me when I was a child. Like that is a real thing. It was done. It was done with a chicken when I did it. But like, well, this poor goat. But you know, it did its job for a little while. Um, so, <laughs> so while, um, while they're trying to exercise the ghosts in the basement, the races are like, now it's a good time to like mess with Letty again. So three races come through the window. <laughs> we don't kill a goat. They're, they got to be doing something crazy. We got to get in there and figure it out, apparently. <laughs> shut it down. Whatever the black people do, just shut it down. So they get in there. and that, But I love this, because I also love that the show does this as well. It doesn't let the racist people off. It kills them all. Like, the house turns against them. Mm-hmm. And kills them, all three of them. And like in the first episode, all those racists in that truck is dead, and all the racists in that cult, well, in that specific church of that cult, are dead. Um, so yeah, they're trying to get rid of this uh, evil racist ghost, and uh, but he's like, nah, I'm gonna turn the the, the sprinkler system on. <laughs> <laughs> and Wash it wa- that blood. And it washes their protective symbol off. And then I don't know why. I feel like I think her, yes, her name is Betsy, the um, leader of this. And I feel like why wasn't she the first one? To be like, okay, y'all, we got to go. Bye. Let's get. Let's go. But she's like, it's Tick. I think is the first. One. Like, okay, let's get out of here. And she ends up getting possessed. If I'm doing a ritual and things are going wrong, we're gonna stop the ritual and leave right now. <laughs> so I also was concerned. I'm also confused. Did old girl die? I think she did. Did old girl die? (laughs) I think she did. I mean, he busted her spine up against the ceiling and the floor. I mean, I just, I don't know, because we we don't talk about it. We'll talk about a lot of things in Lovecraft Country, though. We're just like, that was weird. The vampire puppy dog situations. Right. Oh, well. Well, okay, so she's possessed. And I think this goes back to earlier when we were talking about um, how masculinity or, or maleness can be corrupted. And because she immediately, she does not, she, well, Letty goes to her, but she basically swats her off and she goes directly to Tick mm-hmm. so, and possesses him. So this ghost wants in, man, wants in the, the masculine person. Not in our theme. We keep having the same issue where somebody wants to get inside of someone else for their monsters in the fucking podcast. And I need us to find a better way of doing stuff. How about we don't possess anybody else for like the next five movies? (laughs) (laughs) I got a feeling. Find something new. (laughs) How about a good old fashioned slasher? (laughs) (laughs) Why not? Why not? So. This whole this, this whole sequence is ridiculous. Yeah. So now Letty is on her own, poor thing, because <laughs> Betsy is dead, and Tick is possessed, and but she has the grand idea that she's going to summon the ghosts of his victims. How did she know how to do that? I have real questions. This isn't the first time Letty's done some magic. This can't be the first time Letty's done some magic, and. 
why is it the first time we're hearing all their names? She did her research, that's for sure. Yeah, well, she said in, the, in that scene before that she found all eight of them. And so she knows yeah. their backstory. She knows who they are. And to be fair, when she's summoning them, she doesn't do anything special. She just says their names and they go, hello, we're here. It feels like a roll call. No. <laughs> just, I don't know. How did she know it would work, though? Because, like, I don't think that was in the newspapers of Chicago in 1955. She, did she time travel and watch an episode of Charmed, you know, where they just start Ooh. calling on all their, pa- all, all their past war and sisters? And they're just like, here we are. We call on Melinda and Prudence and, the, and all of the Hollywells. Is that what happened? Maybe so. I do live for that reference. But uh, <laughs> also, at this point, what did she have to lose? I mean, girl is screwed. She got to try something. I don't know if I would have tried calling out the names of dead people. I don't know what I would have tried, but that wouldn't have crossed well, my Jermaine, mind. You may not have made it. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> like, I also would have moved out the first time a ghost appeared. <laughs> so, like, Letty and I are different people. Let's be real. You never would have moved into that house. Right. <laughs> no. Northside well, Chicago, there ain't no fixer-upper. That's a commitment for life. <laughs> so, she does that. And I think it's. I think it was really interesting how they when they first, the ghosts first come in, they're all like, you can see how he experimented on them. Like one of them has like the weird, someone made the note, <laughs> the baby. The Anna. baby on the shack body. <laughs> That's the one that disturbed me the most. Cause like, you know, I have about kids. <laughs> not, the woman, not the woman whose breasts were clearly removed. That's the one that got me. I was like, ooh. I survived some Ryan Murphy American Horror Story. I was unfazed um, by her. But as they chant together and like start defeating this evil racist man, um, their ghost forms start to become their actual selves, like before he experimented on them, which I thought that was really cool, like the healing of the past. Yeah, it was really interesting because if you look, I don't believe it was audible, but they did, they had subtitles on because they always have subtitles on. Same. There was a subtitle that they're chanting in Creole the same Creole that we hear from Betsy beforehand. And, but that's juxtaposed with this like black gospel that we're hearing. And I think that, I think that's really interesting. We have the meeting of this like ancestral magic with gospel in order, in order to send this white man exactly where he belongs out of this house and in hell. Amen. (laughs) So, um, yes. So they have sent him, Hopefully to hell, or somewhere worse, maybe. Um, and then we do the next, it's like the next morning, I'm assuming. And Letty has decided to, decided to take her sister's advice and open the house up to, uh, low, to lower income families who can't afford housing any other, where, any other place in Chicago. And she's being interviewed in a very gorgeous, kind of teal but also kind of baby blue i couldn't match the color of that but dress that was gorgeous and then the elevator is this an elevator to hell <laughs> i think so because it, it shows us because like the reporter asks letty do you know what happened to the three races that went missing and letty's like i didn't know the three races went missing profile yeah. picture and then the elevator click clicks and goes down to the basement to show us the three races who came in the night of all this shit going down. There's a and big did you catch the sigils? Did you yes. catch the sigils as the elevator was going down? Yes. The sigils. same sigils that we saw in the mag- in the in the like magic white folks house. It's the white racists again. I'm I'm wondering if this experimentation links back to this group. I bet it well they say well, hold on. We're not we're not quite there yet because we do find out that it kind of does. Yeah. So then we switch to Tick, and he is going to check out. I guess he is going to find the the um, person, the man who sold the house to Letty in the first place. To be, I guess, to be like, what the fuck, dude? Uh, <laughs> Selling haunted houses. <laughs> but surprise, we find uh, evil. Well, not chaotic. What did, what did Crystal call chaotic. her? Neutral bad wig, <laughs> Becky. <laughs> Chaotic neutral Becky, and with J with uh, I think his name is JJ. Yeah. With JJ, and come to find out, she gave it was her money that she disguised as Letty's mom's money. 
and then she hired JJ to sell Letty that house. It's a lot of underhanded, sneaky things that don't make no sense. And they put a hat on her so I could focus on what she was saying this week as opposed to what her wig part was doing. And so I appreciated that. <laughs> and then she also, uh, as, as Tick says, gives us a history lesson. Um, and the Winthrop house, the Winthrop used to be in the, I forget what their cult is called. The Sons of Adam. The Sons of Adam, yes. And he stole pieces of the book and ran away. And so, and then the other, the guy who was doing the experimentation was one of his followers. So that's where you get the link to the cult and the experimentation mm -hmm. and all that. And so, and then Tick tries to kill her, but he can't. Because she got the mind control again. Well, and she says that her father, before he died, had the power to, was, uh, was like not, he wasn't vulnerable. Invulnerable. Invulnerable, yeah. And so you just can't do anything to her. <laughs> um, so she also said something really interesting. She said that, she said that each of that that members of the Sons of Adam usually have one ability uh, get, that they've deciphered from these pages. But the way that she said it felt to me like she was hinting at having multiple. Everything she said, I felt had extra meanings. Like when she's like, you can't just run around killing white women, Tick. I'm like, has he done that before? Why does everything you say sound like there's extra stuff you're not saying? <laughs> well, and in that second episode, she was A-OK -okay with her daddy going to Eden and just, bye. I think she's going yeah, to I, I think he, I, I think him going to Eden actually got him out of her way. Yes. Like, for sure. Because she, she has to have another ability besides that invulnerability or that mind control because she caused that car to flip. Mm -hmm. So, like, she, like, I wonder if she was, like, going behind daddy's back and just, like, deciphering pages on her own or, like, building up her own little spell repertoire. She's like, you might have invulnerability, but I'm going to have a, pun, a ton of shit. Right? <laughs> for sure, for sure. Well, that, 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 my <laughs> and she's super, she's super salty about the whole, like, it's a it's a dude thing like it's not women aren't allowed essentially so yeah that's why like the commentary that she makes about eve sort of feels like it's coming from a sarcastic place from her yeah i can see that where to from here who knows <laughs> yes. i mean i the, the next episode they're definitely going to explore that tunnel they got to find that tunnel yeah like, for sure for sure and uh, as I was thinking further throughout the day, I started thinking about like we have Tick's ancestor who set the house on fire, and then, and then, and then, and then is like free at the end of this last episode, and then we freed these other black spirits who have been trapped. I'm wondering if like that's gonna be a motif throughout this throughout this series, is of like freeing these black ghosts. Who have been trapped by who have been trapped by whiteness? Like, what? Like, did did his ancestor have to come back to that house when it was rebuilt, and so mm -hmm. she was trapped there again until it was destroyed? Until they until they exercise this white man, they can't free these black folks. So like, is that sort of like a metaphor for this like generational trauma that we're obviously unpacking, like through freeing black spirits? Because like. Crystal sort of mentioned, mentioned like, this is sort of like a video game. Is that the video game? Are we healing generational trauma by freeing black spirits? Is that the game? It does kind of feel like that because it also feels like Tick is having to uh, heal his father, well, who he thinks is his father, uh, his trauma. And it kind of feels like Letty and Ruby are having to, to heal their mother's trauma and the trauma that her mother gave to them um so it does kind of feel like you know generational healing is happening which is really interesting with the show happening in 2020 with you know the the movement happening now you know what i mean i would be here for that i would buy that game on all platforms um <laughs> if you're listening jordan Hill, put that game on all platforms this was obviously recorded the Monday after hearing the news about Chadwick Bosman, 
um, whose life and career was just too short. So we don't know if he would have done more genre stuff or what could have been, but like also it's an important part of just like history, especially because it was Black Panther came out when it was a very, very good month for Black people. We just had Beychella, Janelle Monet just dropped her new album, Dirty Computer. Um, Black Panther was in theaters. It was a damn good time. And we were finally excited to have this franchise starting way too damn late. And <laughs> and because of Marvel and Disney's fuckery, we only get the one movie with them. Um, yeah. And I just want to say, obviously, like, love and positive energy to his family and friends and co-workers who have all posted heartwarming and heartbreaking things on social media about him and his work and yeah he will i'm still in shock he will just be missed incredibly so all right now to something more fun <laughs> um Sheree, do you want to introduce do you want to talk about next week's episode yes Next week's episode, we are going to pick up with episode four, A History of Violence. So it's probably going to be a tick-heavy episode. Um, and our guest will be Lara Payton, um, a former roommate of mine. Like, we had to reschedule Lara, which is why we were very happy that Peter could, like, move up their episode by two weeks. <laughs> with, like, 48 hours notice. <laughs> I was like, actually, no. <laughs> um, yes, for sure. <laughs> Um, as always, follow us on all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, A Nightmare on, on Fear Street, and uh, rate us on iTunes, and follow and subscribe to us on all your favorite social, or not social media, I already said that, uh, subscribe to us on all of your favorite podcast apps. Again, a huge thank you to Peter Ruiz, who took time out of their busy schedule to come and sit down with us and discuss this awesome epic episode which i feel like that's every week this epic episode <laughs> all right until next week stay fierce bye